Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Let's turn in our Bibles real quick um, to 1 Samuel 13. And we're going to start in verse 8. Tonight I'm talking about something called something sacrificed. Something sacrificed. Something sacrificed. And we're going to 1 Samuel 13. It's going to be up on the screen so you can read along with me. We're starting in verse 8. It said, he waited, talking about King Saul, seven days, the time appointed by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal. And the people were scattering from him. And so Saul said, bring me the burnt offering here to me and the peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. And as soon as he had finished the offering and the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him and greet him. And Samuel said, what have you done? And Saul said, when I saw the people were scattering from me and that you did not come within the, the days appointed and that the Philistines had mustered up at, at Michmash, I said, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal and I have, sought, I have not sought the favor of the Lord. So I forced myself and offered the burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God with which he commanded you. For the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be a prince over his people because you have not kept what the Lord had commanded you. Let's take a moment. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much. And we just give you these few moments, God. We ask that you speak to us. We ask that you change us. We ask that you grab the attention of our soul, even in just these few moments. And no matter what we're going through, God, you can help us be out of that place, out of that circumstance, even for a moment, just to be in your presence. God, we thank you. We honor you. We praise you. Amen. Um, my mom growing up had a, a condition I like to call. She was on heavenly time. She was on heavenly time. And what do I mean is... is um, what is a, one day on earth is a thousand years in heaven, right? So to my mom, what's five minutes was like an hour. And so uh, there'd be times I'd be at school and, um, and, and waiting after school, and, and I'd be waiting, waiting, waiting. Mom wasn't there. And so I would call her and say, Mom, I'm at school. Did you forget? Oh, no, 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 I'm five minutes away. I'm like, oh, five minutes away. No big deal. So I'm sitting there waiting. Ten minutes passes. I'm like, I thought she said five minutes. Maybe she... Uh, 15 minutes passes, 30 minutes passes, and I'm still sitting there waiting, um, panicking now at this point, looking for any friend that's left, trying to find a ride home. Maybe I'm thinking, maybe mom crashed. Um, I, the problem with me is I'm an emotional person. I go to the worst case scenario every single time. I'm like, uh, the car broke down. She's not, maybe she's not alive anymore. This, and I start panicking. I'm weeping. I'm like, what is going on? I'm texting my brothers. I'm calling my brothers. Do you know if mom's alive? Do you know if we still have a mother? Then I go through every situation and circumstance in life that I had not spent with my mom yet. Mom, mine, she didn't get to see me get married. She didn't get to see my children. No, this is the worst. And I'm at school panicking all because my mom was a, few minutes late and like I said she's on that heavenly time so five minutes to her is an hour to me so I'm sitting at school waiting wondering believing that my mom is going to be faithful in the word that she said to be there in five minutes so after an hour passes finally my mom pulls up I said mom what were you doing she's like oh you know just working I'm like did you realize I was at school I ain't got no friends left I'm like I thought you were dead begin to panic. Mom, what are you doing? See, see, sometimes in life when things don't go according to our schedule, we begin to panic. We begin to just go crazy. Our schedule 
is, is so important to us. Our time frame, and if it doesn't fit in our time frame in the way that we have laid it out, it's always worst case scenario. That, that's how I am at least. Um, and so in this story, I think of, of King Saul for a moment, and, and we read this story, and, and I think oftentimes in church we kind of beat up King Saul. We kind of give him a bad rap, right? We, we, it's like, oh, you only, all you had to do was wait for a sacrifice, and your kingdom would have been established. But, but I think that really where Saul was at was in a lot of places that we are all, all are at in, in, in different periods in our life is he began to panic. Because things that he was believing for and things that he was praying for had not happened in the time frame that he was wishing for it to happen. Had not happened as soon as he wanted it to happen. And, and, and he began to panic. He began to see his life fall around him uh, little by little. See, Saul was, was in a battle. And it looked like they, they had no chance. He had 2,000 men with him. But they were looking at 30,000 Philistines looking at them, ready to attack, ready to fight. And see, Saul was an accomplished warrior at this point. They had defeated the, uh, the Amalekites and the Amorites. But people believe that this was his biggest test. This was his biggest battle because the Philistines represented the, the, the people that oppressed them, the people that had enslaved them. See, the other ones were just outskirts, were just were, were, were people on the outside of the country trying to come in. But the Philistines had enslaved and oppressed the Israelites for a long time. See, this represented his biggest battle. See, sometimes in life, the enemy lets us have those out, outward battles, those outskirt battles. But when it gets to the center of who we are and the center of the things that we are anxious about and we are worried about, that's when our faith begins to be tested. See, we all have an area in our life that we are worried about that we are anxious about, that we fight with, that we battle with. See, every personality is different. Every person is different, so every battle is different. But for Saul, this was his battle. For Saul, this was his fight. For Saul, this was the center of who he was, the thing that oppressed him, the thing that kept him up at night, the thing that made him not have be able to sleep, not be able to interact, the things that, that, that was stressing him out day after day after day was that the Philistines still oppressed his people. And God, and God gave Saul a word. He said, Saul, in seven days, Samuel will get there. My prophet, my word, my person, my guy who represents me in your life. He will be there in seven days. Just wait. I promise you he will be there in seven days. And then he will do the sacrifice and you will have victory in your battle. And not only will you have victory in your battle, but you will, will, will overthrow the Philistines and, and, and your people will be set free. He said, Saul, just wait. So day after day after day after day, Saul waited, Saul waited, Saul waited. And sometimes I think that, that it's in that place where we're waiting for the word to come to pass is when the enemy begins to attack us the most. And so Saul is sitting up day after day, night after night, saying, God, this is what you said you're going to do. You said you're going to show up. You said you're going to show up. And day seven comes and Samuel's still not there. And he's waiting and he's waiting and he's waiting. And it said that his men begin to scatter. They begin to run. They begin to hide. They begin to grumble about him. They begin to talk about him. They begin to say, say, say bad things about him. And Saul began to get so caught up in the opinions of what they, they, they had in him and about him and, and the things that people were tweeting about him and Instagramming. These people were like, yo, this dude crazy. Cray, cray. He waiting to sacrifice. We, we about to get killed because of Saul. They're tweeting about him. They are, they're they're subtweeting him. They're not like tagging him, but they're saying something about it. Everyone knows it's about King Saul. And like Saul's reading, it's like, I know you subtweeted me. And they're all running away. And his 2,000 men dwindles down to 600, and it says they were scattering. But if you read in the Hebrew, that, that word scatter means to be broken into pieces. Have you ever had that moment in life where you feel like your life is being broken into pieces? 
piece by piece by piece, you're losing a little bit of your faith. You're losing a bit, a little bit of your joy. You're losing a bit of your hope. See, this is what was happening to Saul. See, sometimes I said, we, we, we give Saul a bad rap, but we don't realize that this meant everything to him. To him, his reputation was on the line. To him, it, what people were saying about him as a king and a leader was on the line. And that's what mattered to Saul. That's what was his battle, was the insecurities of having the affirmation of people, the insecurities of the opinions of others. And this battle began to, to, to face him, not the battle of the Philistines, but the battle in his soul. And little by little, he begins to look at his life and feel like it's breaking into pieces. In the moments we face our toughest battles, in the moments we, we, we feel like it's the toughest and it's falling like it's breaking into pieces, that's the moments that sometimes we feel like God is falling silent. God, my life is in pieces. God, where are you at? I remember you used to speak here. You used to, you gave me a word. You spoke. You said this. You said that. God, you spoke. But now where are you at? Now my life is falling apart. Now that the, the battle that you put me in, it, it, it's not happening. We're going to lose because you aren't fulfilling what you said. See, the enemy will try to get us to live off the word we want, not off the word God gave in these moments. In the moments that your life is falling apart, the enemy will try to get you to live off the word you're desiring. The, the, the enemy will try to get us to live off the word that we're feeling, the emotions, the pain, the circumstances. And he's saying, this is what makes sense. God spoke, but he's not here. So you got to do what you got to do. So in life, we, we, we find ourselves going on this roller coaster. When things are good, we're trusting in God. His word is good. What he's spoken to us is good. But when things go bad and circumstances go, don't go our way and our life is falling apart, part we begin to trust not in the word God gave but in the word that we want him to give to us we can't sacrifice the word God has spoken for the God the word we want God to speak single people don't sacrifice the word God is speaking over your future marriage and your future spouse because you're sacrificing for something that you feel is right don't marry someone until you know it's who God is, has designed for you. Until you hear God speak, you do not move. Oftentimes, as when, you know, when we're single and we're excited to get married, especially, especially us as Christians, because we all know why we want to get married, there's just one little thing that's on our brain. Oh! When I get married, I am going to be just like so pure. It's going to be amazing. Don't sacrifice something so good that is marriage because you have to rush into it for something that you want. Married people, don't sacrifice your marriage because things aren't working out how they used to and it feels like it's breaking into pieces for something that you want your marriage to be. Sometimes we sacrifice the things that God gave us for the things that we want him to give us. We can't sacrifice our finances for, when thing, because we don't want to tithe and we don't have as much as we used to. Don't sacrifice the blessing that God wants to put on your life because things aren't the way that it used to. Don't give up on giving before you see the blessing because the blessing is coming. Don't sacrifice your future for holding on to the past because of bitterness. See, sometimes we actually want to hold on to bitterness because it's a comfort zone, because it justifies, it, it, it allows us to justify to be angry and to be mad and to be cold and to be, and to be mean. It, it justifies us saying, you know what, that person did me wrong. And if we feel like if we forgive them, it justifies what they did. So we hold on to the past and we forfeit the word of God for our future because we are so stuck in what they did to us. We cannot forfeit our freedom 
for a passing pleasure. Don't forfeit the freedom that God has given you in his word. Don't forfeit the moments of, uh, of, of temptation, going for the moments of temptation where you can live a lifestyle of freedom. Sometimes we have the moments where we feel like our life is breaking into pieces. We're struggling the most. The temptation is coming our way and we forfeit the freedom of God because we cannot wait and we cannot hold because of a passing pleasure. But it says those who are in Christ are free and they are free indeed. There is a word for you that you can be free. If you're addicted today and you're struggling, you do not have to give up. You can be free. Don't forfeit your freedom. We can't forfeit our families by giving up praying and believing that they will be saved when they aren't responding to what God is speaking to them. We can't forfeit the, our families to stop believing and stop inviting and stop praying and stop interceding. We can't forfeit our families for the plan that God has for them just because we haven't seen it come to pass quite yet. We can't forfeit that because God has given us a word that is, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There's a word for you. Let's hold on to that word. We can't forfeit our families by, by reacting instead of responding the way God would respond. We can't forfeit being planted by rivers of living water, by moving from city to city, from town to town, from work to work, from church to church, looking for the grass that is greener on the other side. We cannot move just for the grass is greener on the other side. We cannot just go to a new church just because this isn't fitting what we wanted and, and maybe go to a new job because it's not perfect. But if God placed you there and God called you there, then you don't leave until he tells you to go. My pastor growing up, Pastor Wendell, is one of my, my heroes and he's in heaven now and I love him so much. And he would always say this, you don't need a word to stay, you need a word to leave. Oftentimes, we're always looking for the word to stay. God, you just got to tell me to stay in this church because that pastor says one more thing. I'm about to slap him. I'm done. <laughs> that person looks at me, crooked eye again. I'm going to throw my shoe across the sanctuary. I'm done with this church. No, no, no. We don't leave because of what someone does to us or someone says to us or how they look at us. We stay because God called us to stay. We're planted because God calls us to plant. I remember when I moved down to, to Orange County, I was 20 years old. Crazy. You know what? God, God grace our pastors. They hired a 20-year-old youth pastor. I feel like I've grown up a lot. Thank you, Lord. Um, but I remember, I remember before I got this job, I said, God, don't let me move unless you speak. So I, I prayed, and God gave me two scriptures, and I remember meeting with Pastor Ben, and the same scriptures that God gave me came up in conversation without me even telling him. And I knew in that moment, that's a word from God. That's, that's God confirming. It came from his Bible. It was confirmed from, from the mouth of someone else who didn't even realize it, and then little did I know they were going to offer me a job that I was un underqualified for and did not deserve because God spoke a word to Pastor Ben and spoke a word to me. But I did not want to move until I knew it was God. See, there's sometimes there's opportunities that are really good in life. There's sometimes there's opportunities that look good and, and feel good and feel right, but we cannot move unless God speaks because if we move too prematurely, we could actually miss out on something that's even greater. See, faith comes when, when things do not make sense. See, it's easy to, to have faith in something that makes sense it's, ha it's easy to have faith when life makes sense, when your circumstances make sense, but where faith really kicks in and really begins is when things do not make sense. See, I think it actually made sense in our natural mind for Saul to sacrifice, right? 
It makes sense in our natural mind for him to worship God and, and to try to bless it and say, hey, the battle's near and he felt like he was getting attacked. In our natural mind, I feel like I may have done the same thing. Because there's sometimes in life, it just feels so much pressure. We try to take things into our own hands. But when life is falling apart, don't forfeit your destiny for the battle. See, that's exactly what Saul did. See, people don't realize that they, the Israelites actually won this battle against the Philistines. And he, and he served as king for many, 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 many more years. But what Saul forfeited was greater than a battle. It was his purpose and his destiny and his inheritance and his legacy. There's the times when life is falling apart that we don't have to, we're not just forfeiting the battle, but we could be forfeiting our family legacy. We could be forfeiting what God has destined you and purpose for you here on earth. Because believe it or not, life is more than just about being here and, and getting saved and going straight to heaven. Because if that was the case, the moment we got saved, we would go zap right up to heaven. But God has an intention for you being alive today. He has an intention for you breathing today. There's a reason you have breath. There's a reason you are alive. There's a reason you're in Orange County. There's a reason you're in this building tonight. Don't forfeit the legacy for the battle. Just because life is difficult, just because life is struggling, don't forfeit what God has destined for you. Because it makes sense. Because it's a good opportunity. How many times have we given up a God opportunity for a good opportunity? Saul gave up a God opportunity for something that felt right, that felt good, that made sense. See, when Saul sacrificed his destiny, God had someone else in mind. See, while, while Saul was worshiping the word of man, there was a, a little shepherd boy in the field worshiping the word of God. And it says this, it says, I have someone after the, a man after my own heart. He was thinking of David. See, David was a man yet. He was a boy. He was a young boy sitting in the field, playing his harp, worshiping. He was forgotten about. He was overlooked. He was undervalued. In fact, his dad, when, when Samuel went to bless him, didn't even remember he had another son. But David was out in the field, worshiping the word of God, he was preparing this man to be the next king. He was preparing this man for his legacy that Saul forfeited. See, God is, does not need you, he wants you. See, when we forfeit our purpose, it's not just done. He's going to find someone who's saying, you know what, I'm willing to take that on. High schoolers, if we say, you know what, I, I, I don't really feel like changing my high school, he'll find somebody to do it. Why not you? If someone in your workplace is saying, you know what, I don't know if I can impact my workplace. It's too difficult. My boss is too difficult. See, if it's not you, he will find someone to carry out his legacy because God has placed us on this earth for a purpose, for a reason, not just to live life without any reason. See, the thing that separated Saul and David was not behavioral per perfection. It wasn't that, that David had perfect behavior. It wasn't that David looked right and, and acted right and talked right. In fact, we know that David actually committed, committed adultery on, on his wife with another man's wife and killed that dude in battle. So I don't know if that's perfect to me. But what separated Saul and David was more than just their outward actions. It was... It was the way that, it was what they worshipped. It's what they waited on. See, Saul worshipped the words of man. He worshipped the opinions of man. He worshipped the, 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 the affirmation of man. He worshipped his feelings and his emotions. Whatever felt right was right. Whatever felt wrong was wrong. But David worshipped 
the word from God through the good times, through the bad times, through the, through, through the times of success, through the times of failure, through the times that he slipped up and the, through the times that God gave him the grace to make it. When your life is put together, when your life is full and it's easy to worship God, but when it starts falling apart, can you still wait on the word of God? See, Saul had the inability to wait on the word of God when life was falling apart. Saul had the inability to wait on the word of God when everything was, was breaking into pieces. See, oftentimes I, I would say this, uh, the times that we get stuck in our destiny and our purpose is when everything around us does not make sense. And I call it the roller coaster of, hum, of the human condition. And, and when things are good, we're good. Feels good, feels right. You know, no one's fighting at the holidays. Oh, man, God, you're good. Oh, praise him. The next fight breaks out. God, where are you at? Yo, are you serious? Oh, man, everything's back to good. Our finances are good. We got money coming in. Oh, man, we're living paycheck to paycheck. God, are you real? Are you faithful? It's the, human, it's the roller coaster of the human condition. We tether ourselves to our emotions and to our feelings and to our humanity instead of tethering ourselves to the word of God and tethering ourselves to what God has said. And we forfeit what God speaks over our life to what we feel our life is about. See, what, that's what made David a man after God's own heart is that he was a passionate man and he felt and he had emotions, but... When it got down to it, he was a man who worshipped God through the good times, through the bad times. I think the thing that makes us a man after God's own heart or a woman after God's own heart is really in the essence of who God is, and that's being consistent. God's greatest characteristic is, is, is the fact that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Have you ever met someone who looks the same as they did in high school? Some of y'all are like, I don't even look the same. We know, all right? We love you, though. We're glad you're here. Have you ever met someone, right? The best friend you can have in life is not the friend that is, like, always up and down and makes you like. No, it's the friend that's consistent. You know who your real friends are when you go through difficult times? It's when you're being consistent. God's greatest characteristic and God, God's greatest aspect in his nature is that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. In fact, that is what I believe is the definition of holiness is being consistent with God's nature. That God is the same. He does not change. When, he, does not, he, he does not go up and down. He is steady. He is consistent. And this is what it says. Say, you know what? How do I live for the word of God? How do I not sacrifice the word that I want? For the word that God gave. See, that's the question tonight. How do we not sacrifice the word, that, for, for the, the, the word of God for the word that we want when things are difficult? Because I can tell you this, things will get difficult. Things will happen. There will be moments you feel like your life is falling into pieces and everything you have worked for, prayed for, and believed for is gone. In those moments, how do we Hold on to the word that God spoke. While we're waiting for the person, the right person to marry, and it is getting difficult because we feel like God has forgotten about us, how do we wait for the right person? When our marriage is struggling and we're fighting and, and, and the bills aren't being paid, how do we hold on for the word and say, this is our marriage and we are going to stick it out. It is till death do us part. How do we fight through it when, when our family is, is separated and fighting and angry and, and all we see is toxicity and, and, and hostility? How do we hold on to the word that God spoke 
and not run for the word that we want. John 15, 1 through 5 gives us the greatest answer, I think. Talks about being consistent. Says this, Jesus saying, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that, he bear, that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me. Get this. Abide in me. And I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, we can do nothing. Abide means this, to remain, to be consistent, to just be steady, to abide. It doesn't mean to run. It doesn't mean to, you have to worship louder, pray louder, scream louder, use the holy oil. All those things are amazing. Don't get me wrong. I love me some good holy oil. Come on. But that's not what it's talking about. It's saying, can you remain consistent when things are difficult? Can you remain consistent when God begins to prune things out of your life that he is saying, you know what, this may be a good thing, but it's not a God thing. I have something coming that's even greater. Can you be consistent through this? Because it may be painful. It may hurt, but can you just wait it out a little bit? Can you wait it out through this season? Can you wait for God to show up to, for, for, for the word that he spoke? Can we wait? Can you be consistent? See, Jesus doesn't say try. He doesn't say, he doesn't say be there, behave better. He says just remain. See, religion says, try, 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 do, do, do. You know, things aren't working out. I got I to gotta go to church all three services. Things aren't, I got to serve more. I got to do more. I got I to gotta be more. I got to, you know, I'm not listening to enough worship music. That's my problem. No, I'm not. That's not what God said. Now, I'm, once again, listening to worship music, if you go to all three services, that's amazing. You're triple dipping. You're holier than all of us. Come on. <laughs> we need some of that in our life. But that's not what Jesus said. See, religion says try. Religion says do. Religion says try, try to behave. Try to be better. Try to fix yourself. Go, to, go, go get some self-help. I know your life is falling into pieces. Figure it out. Figure it out. Come on. See, life says run. Leave. Get out of here because it's not working your way. It's, your, your feelings, your emotions say it, it, you just got to get out of here. You got to have a change of scenery. There's just got to be something different because things aren't working out the way that you plan. And, and, and God is not being faithful and God spoke, but he's not here. Run, run, run. Get out. See, religion says try. Life says run. God says just stay. Just stay. Just remain. I think one of the most overrated characteristics in Christianity is those who are consistent. We don't talk about it enough. We don't talk about just being consistent. Being and remaining in God through the good times, through the bad times, through the difficult times. I think we underrate abiding in God. Being consistent in God. Because I would argue that's one of the most difficult things to do. I think it is easy to worship God when things are good in our life. I think it's easy to behave right when you're feeling the Holy Spirit in every service. I feel like it's easy to trust in his finances when your, your bank accounts are overflowing. I think it's easy to trust him with your family when everyone is loving Jesus. 
I think it's easy to trust him when your marriage, when it feels like you just got married. Because I just did. Come on, it's amazing. I'll probably eat my word someday, but hopefully not. Come on, Jesus. Uh, it's easy to trust in, 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 in life when things are going our way, but can we still be here when things get difficult? I say this as a pastor, what, what, what do I notice the most as a pastor? That when people are going through things, they disappear in church. I'm not knocking anybody. I'm just saying. Why is it that our natural mechanism is to run from the word that God gives and from the word of God on a weekly basis and the worship of God on a weekly basis? Why is it our natural mechanism and our, and our human condition to run when God just says remain? See, my mom said, I'll be there in five minutes, Right? She's on heavenly time. I'll be there in five minutes. I didn't hear from her, but little did I know my mom was working on my behalf. She was working so hard so I could go to the private school that I was at. She was working so hard that I could encounter God at a Christian school. She was working so hard that I could love church because she was working at the church part-time, but she was really working full-time. See, sometimes we think God is silent, but when he says, I'm coming, it we don't realize he, on the way he's working on our behalf. He's working on our behalf. He's doing things for us. He's doing things for you. The keyboards can come on up. I'm finishing. This is amazing. I can ask the youth. I'm finishing on time. Come on, Lord. We know it's good. All right? Uh, I think what's interesting is, is what makes you clean is, is you are already clean. Why? Because of my word. I think sometimes it makes it difficult for us to hold on the word from God because we don't feel clean. We don't feel good enough. We don't feel deserving. But when God spoke on the cross, it is finished. That's the only word that you needed. And in that moment, you were made clean. When we give our heart to him and we give our life to him, we are made clean in his word, not in our word. We are made clean in his grace, not in our abilities to make ourselves clean. God did not say, uh, if you try to be clean, you can be clean. He says, no, I spoke a word and I made you clean. doesn't matter what past you come from, what family you come from, what background you come from, what shame you may have, what bitterness you may have, what struggle you may have. It doesn't matter if you are feeling addicted in this moment right now. God spoke a word 2,000 years ago on a cross saying you are free. God doesn't say, it, it, may, it doesn't matter what battle you're going through. It doesn't matter if your family is falling apart. God spoke to your family saying you are together. You are whole. It doesn't matter if your finances are looking bleak and you, there is no answer. God says, I am going to bless those who bless me. I'm going to pour out a blessing. I'm going to pour out my spirit. Just trust in the word. There was a word on the cross that Jesus spoke to you and saying, you know what? God, I'm not good enough. He says, no, you are righteous. God, I don't have a, I don't have a place. I don't fit in. He says, you are my child. He says, God, 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 I, I, I don't think people think about me. I'm overlooked. I'm underwhelmed. It does not matter. I have a plan and a purpose for you. I knew you before your mom knew you, before your dad knew you. I knew you before you were even a thought, and I have a plan and a purpose for you. See, God says this, there is a word on your life 
There is a word in your life. Every person in this room tonight, there is a word. Don't sacrifice the word of your legacy for the word of the moment because it doesn't feel right, because it doesn't feel good, because we feel uncomfortable. Well, God never promised us an uncomfortable life, but he promised us a clean life in him, saying we can be righteous, we can be whole, we can be filled, we can be strong, we can be, we, 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 we can be full of hope and joy and peace in the most difficult situations. And when your life feels like it's breaking into pieces, there was a word for you. Jesus did not say, go try and make yourself clean. He said, my word made you clean, but what I need you to do is remain. See, some of us, we've been made clean, but we haven't remained. We've been made clean. See, the there's moments where we, you know, we come up to every altar call and we get saved, we get saved. No, God made you clean when you first got saved. But that feeling you're feeling that's tugging you back is that you're running away from the word that God gave you. See, remaining is tied to your purpose. Remaining is tied to your destiny. Remaining is tied to why God has you here on this earth. And you feel like you don't have purpose. Have you stopped remaining? Have we stopped being consistent? And just saying, God, I need you to speak. God, I need you to move. And I'm not leaving until you do. See, that's what made David a man after God's own heart, is he did not move until God did. He did not speak until God spoke. He did not fight until God said fight. He faced Goliath and, and Saul said, hey, you need to trust the word of man. Put on my armor. He says, no, that, that's not the word for me. God has a word for my life. Can we remain in God? Can we stay consistent? Can we stand on our feet just for a moment? We're finishing up. We're about to go into worship. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.